Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. The Bible says in verse number 17, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Talk a little bit about uh, tonight about praying. This is a command given by God to us as Christians of something that we ought to do. Uh, you know what happens in America? We complain without ceasing. <laughs> we gripe and moan without ceasing. You just got to turn on the news. You got to turn on your scroll, turn on whatever it is you're going to turn on. People complain and gripe and moan, and it's nonstop. It's never their fault. It's somebody else. If only this was different, I'd be happy. If only I had this, if only I had that, if only this person was elected. I think we ought to just stop and obey one verse and then just be done with it. Obey one verse of the Bible to pray without ceasing. But it's so much easier to complain. And that's American Christianity. And it's Americans in general. We have become spoiled spoiled little rotten Americans that just want everything oh so comfortable. Well, guess what? Life isn't comfortable. The early Christians knew it, and they prayed without ceasing. The idea behind this, well, let's get Luke chapter number 18. The idea behind it isn't to, well, I'll just wait till everything goes the way I want it to, and then I'll, there'll be a reason to pray. That's not really how God laid it out. Luke chapter 18 Verse number one, the Bible says, and he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. You know why? Because there's always something to faint about. There's always something to complain about. There's always something to gripe about. But don't faint. Instead, pray, pray. Colossians chapter number four. Colossians chapter number four. The Bible says in verse number one, Masters given to your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. And then it says, Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. It'd be good to pray. God continues to give open doors that we'd be able to speak freely of the gospel and get the gospel out. But you see in the context of this, there's something that we should continue in and that's prayer. Colossians 4 makes that clear. Um, uh, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter number 4. Look at verse number 6. Philippians chapter 4. Verse number 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. That's a humble, earnest request. Supplication it's a form of worship often in an urgent style prayer. 
with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. There's a lot more to prayer than just saying words. It should be with a heart full of thanksgiving to God. That's prayer, at least in Philippians chapter number four. Look at Ephesians chapter six. Ephesians chapter number six. Verse number 18. Praying always. Ephesians chapter six. Toward the end of the verse. And this is a great verse because of where it's put. You know, it, it, it kind of ends out the thought of, you know, we've got armor of God. We're going to we're going to wrestle and it's not a flesh wrestling match. It's, you know, we're going to go against spiritual wickedness and, and, and you know, loins girt about with the with the truth and the breastplate of righteousness. And, you know, your feet shod and you got the shield of faith and fiery darts and we got a helmet of salvation. We got a sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And it sounds very rousing for the troops, doesn't it? It's a great verse to preach on. But then we see how it ends, which is above all taking the, uh, I'm sorry, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all preservation and supplication for all saints. And it goes on verse 19, same type of idea. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Oh, boy, we open our mouths boldly on a lot of things. Would to God if we would do that, have that same fire in our in our bosom about the gospel. Well, I'm sick of hearing about the gospel and taking the gospel out. Paul wasn't. <laughs> they weren't in the Bible. They had nothing to live for. Talking about. I mean, just times are just so different. They're just so different. And. All of this armor of God stuff, which is great stuff. But if we forget verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, I'd say we, 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 we miss the whole idea of what's trying to be focused on in chapter six, because we need to go to God in prayer. We need to go to God in prayer. Romans 12. Romans 12, verse number 12. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. That's the trials and the, and the sufferings that we go through here on earth. Anybody have any tribulation in their life? We've got to have some patience through that. Continuing instant in prayer. Anybody ever have a tribulation and you hear somebody else has a greater tribulation and you're like, well, I guess my problems aren't so bad. <laughs> I got a flat tire. And then you find out that someone's kid died in a car wreck. Oh, sorry, Lord. Shouldn't have complained. I should have just prayed with Thanksgiving. <laughs> Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant. That's a pressing, urgent, focused word. That instant. Last one. Let's get Psalm 55. Psalm chapter number 55. The Bible says in verse number 16. 
As for me, I will call upon God and the Lord shall save me evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. Why is it that it's easy to preach against the Muslims yet they don't forget to pray at noon, whatever the time is that they're going to pray? That's convicting. Someone that has a false God, a false religion, a false way to heaven is totally messed up in all of it. And it's heading to a devil's hell. Yet in the midst of all their error, they're fervent to make sure they pray at the high time, whenever it is during that. Yet and we could take most Christians could take it or leave it. So it's a, one family was visited for a few months and said, you have a prayer meeting. I said, yeah, show up this afternoon. We'll have a prayer meeting. Well, he didn't come in the afternoon. Prayer ain't that important to him. It's just, I want to see if you've got everything and see if you line up with everything that I expect of you. But I certainly aren't going to. We slice and dice things so hard, we can't find our way to God sometimes. We ought to just get on our knees and pray. I still see some of these signs around town. I don't see them much anymore. I don't know if they just changed the ministry or what, but it was pray at four. Yeah. You've seen them around. And so the idea was to get people at four o'clock, you know, think about God and pray and pray for God. I guess it's a great thought. You know, more people you can get to rally at four o'clock. I don't know. Maybe something spiritual happened. I don't know. But the idea is mark some time. It's morning. What are we going to do? Pray. It's noon. I'm bored. What are we going to do? Well, you could pray. You don't always have to be entertained. You could pray and go to God. And that's the idea, I think, in Psalm 55. Evening, morning, noon, go ahead and pray. First Thessalonians chapter five. Verse number 18. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I want to know the will of God for my life. Well, here it is. Yeah. In everything, give thanks. People come to preachers all the time. Am I in the will of God? I don't know. Have you given thanks for everything? No. Well, then you're not in the will of God. It's simple stuff. We want to make this will of God thing so deep and so theological and so like you got to do something so, so tremendously spiritual to get in the will of God. You know, it might just start with the obvious reading of this verse and everything give thanks. And then, you know, if you're doing that, you know, you're in the will of God. You're griping. Are you complaining? Are you moaning? Are you wishing? Are you hoping? Well, if you are, number one, you're not praying. And then number two, by default, you're probably not giving thanks. There's a good flow to this to this passage. We already preached on rejoice evermore. You start doing that. Guess what you're going to do? You're going to pray more. You start praying more. Guess what you're going to start doing? Giving thanks for everything. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It should be America's life first. Thankfulness, sadly, has become a lost art. Yeah. Told this story before. Everybody knows Corey Ten Boone, Ravensbrook concentration camp. It was infested with fleas. 
And so Corey says to her sister, Betsy, there's no way even God can make me be thankful for these fleas. And Betsy shared this verse with Corey. But Corey, the Bible says in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It doesn't say in, in pleasant circumstances give thanks. And she, and she brought this verse to her mind by way of remembrance. Fleas are just part of the place where God has put us. And the ironic thing about the fleas were the guards didn't come into their into their room, into the area they were set to. And you know what that allowed Corey and Betsy to do? Have Bible studies every night. All because of the fleas. And I just think of Americans and I think of American Christianity and I think of the Six Flags Over Jesus Amusement Church where everything has to be perfect for people or they're just miserable. It's like you're a flea to them. Get these people away from me. It's not how I want it. I could go on my Facebook scroll and I can scroll. Oh, when I get a dopamine shot because I, I just feel good. I'm seeing everything I want to see. And you know that is designed specifically to trap you so that you're always getting that flesh filled. You're always getting what I want to see on the scroll. You click on one thing. You click on a, a, a Donald Trump impersonator. And then the next thing you know, for the next week, you're going to have Donald Trump impersonator videos show up on your Facebook feed. <laughs> it's, it's designed that way. This is how things are being sold. If you're interested in a chicken tractor and you click on a chicken tractor, how to build it, the next thing you know, more chicken tractors are going to come up. And you, but you, I'm not saying I don't do that stuff. We all do. Our scroll should be the word of God. And prayer and giving thanks. So I said all that to say, when is that going to pop up on the feet? We need to have that as well. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19 says, quench. That means it's a cooling. Quench not the spirit. You've heard the term, you quench the fire. Yeah. It's to pull out the fire. It's to extinguish it. It's to put it out. You want to try to quiet that fire down, and you're going to try to quench it. You know how we quench the spirit? With our sin. All those idolatrous thoughts. All those ideas that we have in our head. All those sinful actions or sinful words, all it does is cool and quench the spirit. And it doesn't allow us to walk in what we should be walking in, which is the spirit. And we quench it and cool it. Lust of the flesh then takes over the cares of our minds. 
The lust of the flesh causes us to delay doing something for God or getting busy for God. And the lust of the flesh causes us to just go through Christian motions. Um, we see that all around. The low-hanging fruit is you just have a great big amusement church and you just come on Sunday and then you check out, you live your life, and then you check back in on Sunday. That's the low-hanging fruit. That's easy to that's easy to hit. Yeah. What about us? Our thoughts, our minds. What's in there that's quenching the spirit? Telling you, the lust of the flesh will just get you busy with the cares of the mind, and it'll get you distracted from getting busy for God. Let's get busy for God. How can you get busy for God this this week? What can you do? Yeah, thank you. Amen. Amen. And in verse number twenty, it says, "Despise not prophesying." And if you keep the first admonition to pray without ceasing and the second admonition to give thanks and everything. And the third admonition to not quench the spirit, then by default, you'll be able to keep verse 20, which is despise, not prophesying. And when you despise not prophesying, instead of quenching the spirit, you know what you do? You rekindle the spirit. It gets hotter. It gets more on fire. Luke 24 says, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way? And while he opened to us the scriptures, the disciples hearts, they weren't quenched. They were kindled. Their heart was on fire for God. Isn't that interesting? Despise not prophesying. Right after quench not the spirit. <clears throat> prophesying has two meanings. It means to foretell. Or it can mean to forth tell. And we're not foretelling anymore. It's all been foretold. But we are forth telling. Right. That is also a, another definition of prophesying. It's why it's important to understand context of the Bible, because when you see the word prophesy or prophecy, it doesn't always mean the same thing. It could mean foretell, a foretelling of truth, or it could just mean a forth telling of truth. And that's what we're doing tonight. Um, look at Romans chapter 12. I can't give you something that isn't in the Bible and foretell you a prophecy. But. I certainly can give you what's in the Bible and forth tell, and that is biblical. Romans 12, 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Preaching of the word of God, it's forth telling. So don't despise the word. Don't despise the preacher of the word. And this gift here, this gift of forth telling the word of truth, don't despise it. Don't despise it. And also, if God has given you a gift, you can 
if somebody is truly born again, you know what the Holy Spirit gives them upon salvation? A gift or gifts. They're different than talents, although your talents can certainly enhance things, and those are given by God to every man, but when you get born again, and you ha if you have the gift of prophecy, if you have the gift of teaching God's word, God gifts, gifts you with that ability to do that. Do you know if you don't study God's word and pray and rejoice and give thanks, and you get confused and you get off on doctrine? You don't, it's not like you lose your spiritual gift. If I went off on eternal security and I said, oh, yeah, you could lose your salvation and, and this and that. What do you think? I lose the gift of being able to open up God's word and teach it? No. You know what happens? I mess myself up and I mess a lot of other people up, too. Yeah. And it stunts their growth. And it stunts my growth as a Christian. Well, I don't lose my salvation because I believe in eternal security. <laughs> okay. But I certainly can get somebody's head messed up. And now they're living. They don't know which way to go. They're like a ping pong. Ball. Well, I did this. Well, did I lose it? Well, I better, I better get saved again. Good night. <laughs> you know, have all these revival meetings to get people saved that were already saved last year. <laughs> Because they're just going to make them feel guilty about what they did last week. And look, you should feel guilty about if you sin. Yeah. And get it right. Yeah. Come to a good church. You're preaching against sin. Get some Christian fellowship. Get that thing right. But good night. I'm not going to have you come get saved again. <laughs> if you saved, you saved. You kept by the power of God. Yes, sir. But you see what I'm saying? If I get confused or if I get off track and I don't understand eternal security because somebody messed me up, I don't lose the gift, but I'm not using that gift to foretell and prophesy to God's people in a way that they would get better for it. I actually hinder them. Yeah. This is why it's so important to hone your gifts that God has given you. Look at Matthew chapter 10. Matthew 10. Matthew chapter 10, verse 40. <coughs> Excuse me. He that receiveth you receiveth me. And he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. Look at verse 41. He that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. People nowadays, they'll receive a ball player. They'll receive a UFC fighter. They'll receive somebody that's popular on TV. They'll receive their favorite Republican or Democratic nominee, they won't receive a preacher. Mm -hmm. yeah. They won't. They'll despise Bible-believing preachers. And, it ha and it's happening all over 
not just our nation, our world. I can name off right off the top of my tongue 12 to 20 solid Bible-believing preachers. People just despise them. In their town, those people despise them. We got to quit it with that stuff. If we want a nation or if we want a world that wants to see revival, true heart stirred revival, we got to stop despising preachers. There was a day that where they were respected, at least more than they are today. It, there's always been, I mean, just go back to the Old Testament. You look at Jeremiah, they hated him. <laughs> he had no results except God was glorified and he honored God. That's good enough result. But The church house used to be the place where the saints came. And it was like the it was like the hub or the or the buzz of social interaction as well. Somebody had a problem. You know what the young Christian girl could get how she would get help with her problem? She'd come to the church house and she'd get with one of the older Christian women and a few of them would get together with her and they'd talk and they'd mingle and they'd open up God's word and they'd pray. Then they rejoice. Then they would cry and then they would go through the Bible and they would give thanks again. And then. You know what they do now? They just call a shrink and pay one hundred and twenty dollars for them to get psychopathic drugs. Take this drug so you don't have to think about your problem. Is this too much? For, I mean, is this, are we okay with this? Because the despising of that which is good. You want to talk about a pandemic? That's one that we got. Yeah. You can't despise the foretelling, the prophesying of God's word. And then First Thessalonians chapter number five. We'll look at one more verse here in First Thessalonians. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying. Verse 21, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. If it sounds too good to be true, it usually is. And this verse cautions us against dangerous extremes. You need to have discretion. I remember a preacher telling me this. He told this story during one of his sermons about He's the worst when it comes to infomercials because whatever it is they're selling in 20 minutes on the infomercial, he always ends up buying it. <laughs> Prove all things. It just, if it sounds too good to be true, if the knife that needs to just cut a, uh, an apple in half can cut through the bumper of your car, <laughs> it probably sounds too good to be true. And so he, he'd be a sucker for all these infomercial deals. But you got to prove all things. You got to hold fast that which is good. Let's look at a few verses here. We okay to do that? Look at First John chapter number four. First John. Look what the Bible says in verse number one. Beloved, believe not every spirit. But try the spirits, whether they are of God. 
because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know you the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. Is that clear? Yeah. Is that pretty clear? Jehovah Witness, uh, Mormon, uh, Muslim, Buddha, Hare Krishna. It's clear. You're not of God. Mm -hmm. And it finishes out and this is that spirit of antichrist where have you have heard that it should come and now even now already is it in the world you you can't just believe everything here you gotta try it out how do you try it out filter it through god's word second corinthians 13 let's flip over to there all right second corinthians chapter 13 Verse number five, examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith, prove your own selves. Everybody's trying to worry about somebody else. This is the verse that helps us all to just look in the mirror. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. <laughs> but I trust that ye shall know that we are not Reprobates. Now I pray to God that you do no evil. Not that we should appear approved, but that you should do that which is honest, though we be as reprobates. We can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. Can you do that? If it's not truth, then we're against it. But we can do nothing against the truth. For the truth. The way you live your life, is it against God? Is it against the truth of God? No, no, no. Everything you should do should be for Him. So examine yourselves, prove your own selves, give yourself a reality check. Let's go to First Peter. Flip forward and we'll get to First Peter. Let's look at chapter number three. This is a great. Another great word. Most of these verses that we're running, you already know. The Bible says in verse number 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. <clears throat> My answer is the same when people tell me or ask me or say to me, well, I'm not going to go out and do any type of evangelism because I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do first. My answer is usually the same. The first thing you need to do is obey verse number 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Boy, I'm ready to give the answer. I got the answer to this. I got the answer to that. I got a Bible verse for this. I got a Bible verse for that. Great. Did you sanctify the Lord first in your heart? Well, no. Then be quiet. Okay. Do that first. You knock on the door, sanctify the Lord in your heart. You're going to give a track to somebody and you're going to engage them in a one-on-one -on -one conversation. You better have Christ sanctified first in your heart because 
That is what you need, and that's what they need. And be ready always to give an answer. You see that semicolon there, how sanctifying the Lord God is connected with being ready always to give an answer. But I know this verse. I know this verse. I know Romans 3.23. I know Romans 6.23. I know Romans 5.8. I know Romans 10. I know. Oh, okay, great. Did you sanctify the Lord? That's first and foremost. Be ready to give an answer. Is it one at the exclusion of the other? No, they're all, they're both connected. Acts 17, last one on this topic. Acts chapter 17. Verse number 11. Uh, let's do verse 10. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night on the Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Your mind needs to be ready to receive the truth of God. And if you pray without ceasing, if you give thanks in everything, if you quench not the spirit, if you despise not prophesying, that puts you on the path and on the pattern of proving all things and holding fast to that which is good. And all of this that we look like trying the spirits, Examining and proving your own self. Ask that, you know, ask if you a reason. Readiness of mind. What does all of that fall under? It falls under reasoning. God wants us to reason. He says in Isaiah 1, come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Christ wants us to reason. The Lord wants us to reason with him. Your faith and my faith, you could say it is built upon reasoning. We go to the scriptures and we reason. There's different ways. Okay. All right. There's one gospel. Everybody, we're on track with that, right? We all agree that there's one gospel. There's one savior. There's one mediator between God and men. That's the man, Christ Jesus. The gospel doesn't change. Christ died for our sins, rose again three days, three nights later, seat at the right hand of the Father. He offers salvation to everybody that would receive, right? One gospel, that's it. When you witness to someone, you're not always using the same approach. The same gospel has to go out. People have reasoned away God. Why do you believe all that Bible stuff? They say. Well, because God says it in his word. Well, see, you're just using circular reason. You're just trying to prove the Bible by using the Bible. What are they trying to do? They're trying to reason God out. 
So you know what you say to them? Do you know that for sure? Well, what? Well, you said to me that I'm using the Bible to prove the Bible, and you don't think that the Bible is true. Do you know for sure that the Bible isn't true? Well, you can't really know anything for sure. Okay, so you're using your reasoning to conclude that you can't know anything for sure. Are you sure about that? Well, now I'm confused. Okay, you see, the point is people reason for everything. They just want to reason God out of their life. So I say to them, do you believe that God can reveal things to me in such a way that I can know them for certain? Do you think that that is possible or totally impossible? Well, I guess it's possible. Okay, are you sure about that? Well, I don't know. Now he's confused. You can't know anything without God. And trying to get somebody to stop trying to reason their way out of God is getting them to see that they don't have any answers. So it wouldn't be unreasonable for them to conclude that God could show me things in such a way that I can know them for sure. There's a possibility for that. Wouldn't you say, Mr. Atheist? Well, yeah, I guess so. All right. Now, what's your path to reason? Well, I don't have one. So I guess you're on a path of circular non-reason. None of us can know anything without God. But we do know things. Mm-hmm. Two plus two. Wesley knows all this advanced math. How does he? How do you know this stuff? God. God gives you a brain to be able to. We can't do or know anything without God. So don't despise reasoning. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Um. Proverbs 25, 19 says confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. (laughs) You know what that means? Choose your friends wisely. Be a friend that would be chosen wisely. Prove your friends. Prove your doctrine. We already talked about that. Prove your actions. Proverbs 14, 10, 14, 12. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man but the end thereof are the ways of death you better prove your actions prove your ways make sure they line up with the bible the bible says you shall you ye shall know them by their outward appearance you shall know them by their fruit there is a lot that can be said we're just watching something unfold and seeing what type of fruit is produced from that. So sometimes the best way to prove things is to just let it play out and the fruit will come forth. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.